Have you ever wondered what exactly makes me a person? We'd never questioned this before we came in contact with Professor Peterson, who introduced the concept of personhood to us. Now, until June 24th, 2022, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, did we start to realize how the concept of personhood lays the groundwork for debate about women's and fetus rights and its significance to this country in this time period. We felt that it would be the perfect time to produce and release this episode. Can you introduce yourself? I'd be happy to. Hi, everybody. My name is Emily Peterson. I am a teacher at the University of Michigan, and I teach about reproductive justice, feminist legal theory, and I have studied biomedical ethics. You sent us a list of like stuff you could potentially talk about, and on that list was personhood, mm -hmm. and it was the first time we'd heard that word, so can you kind of just like briefly describe what it is? Personhood is a moral concept or a legal concept. It depends on which way you're talking about it. And it's the idea that an entity has some sort of inherent value. And sometimes we give a legal structure to it, and sometimes we give a moral structure to that. Um, so uh, what makes someone a person? Every person? Everybody gets to decide what their own definition of personhood is if we use a moral definition. So for example, um, you may think of something that has a sense of self, a, sense, a personal an identity as something that makes a person. That, of course, would eliminate babies. Babies do not recognize themselves in a mirror. So you have to be pretty careful when you actually start to categorize what it means to be a person because you can quickly eliminate entities that you might consider. Then we have to have legal definitions for a whole different reason. When we were like researching mm -hmm. personhood, kind of, we there was like this like theory of personhood that like um, a person gains personhood as they get older, mm -hmm. and so like I was thinking that like when you're a like, like kid, when you, you probably have like, less personhood, yeah. whereas as you're older, you have more person and you, like you gain. What do your parents like? Do they have any kind of control over that I guess. over that aspect. Yeah, that aspect so yeah i think that if your definition of personhood has something to do with capacity the ability to kind of understand and be aware of yourself and your um your decision making if that is something that you think is valuable it is something that will increase with age but it'll also decrease too as you age and so your parents can have a role in helping to promote that element if that's something you really want to think about as being being part of a person again that doesn't work for me but that's the point everybody gets to have their own rules it's also frustrating because there isn't a right answer yeah so like kind of relating to that that like younger kids don't really have like a sense of self mm -hmm. what rights do you like, what rights do you have? Like, are rights always tied with responsibility? So rights can be tied with responsibility, but just like personhood, which is why I love this stuff, there are human rights or moral rights based on your status as an entity in, in one of those groups or both. There are legal rights, which are the rights we give to each other. Sometimes those have responsibilities that come with it. Sometimes they have responsibilities that you would perhaps age into. Mm -hmm. 
So if that's the case, like, do you think that parents have the right to, like, check their kids' email or, like, check their grades or, like, go through their things, that kind of stuff? So that kind of, that that piece of it, you're talking about a, a, a right of privacy that an individual identity uh, entity has. And that is going to depend not necessarily on their personhood, because I wouldn't ever categorize somebody's personhood based on whether they have privacy or not. That doesn't work in my definitions. Um, but if you want to talk about a relationship or some rights that some uh, a kid or a teen might deserve, that's a that's a different conversation. And I'm happy to have it. It's but it's one about um, what they. That's about their relationship with their family or their adults. Um, mm-hmm. So you said that like privacy rights wasn't part of your definition. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your definition of personhood? I keep developing it. One of the things that is um, on my list of something that counts as a person is this idea of potential that has really helped me. So for example, a cell, an embryo in a freezer does not have the same potential as an embryo in a uterus. And by potential, I mean the potential to become like you or I. In the same way, at the end of life, there are folks that do not have potential to ever exist like you and I again. That doesn't mean they are not persons to me, but they might be to somebody else. If you have somebody, for example, who's in what's called a persistent vegetative state, where they have lost all higher brain function, so they only have brain stem, they will never, it's not a coma, they will never regain consciousness, they don't have any higher cortex. There are folks out there, ethicists, who believe that is a non-person that any part of who they are is gone and they are just a body now. That definition is different for everyone. That is not the legal definition of the end of personhood, though. They would count legally as a person still. Under the law, we have to have bookends. It's very hard. For example, if I was going to uh, kill someone... We can't have, which I'm not planning on, <laughs> I want to make that very public, but we're, we'd have to have a rule as to the value of the entity that I'm killing. And we have to all agree together on the value of that entity because if, we, if I'm allowed to say, oh, that's not a person to me, so it's not a killing, then I can get out of a crime based on my own moral framework. So we can't have that as a society. We have to have rules. And I call them bookends because we tend to have rules about when the beginning of personhood begins legally, which is at birth under federal law. And we have to have rules about the end of personhood, which is right now um, whole brain death, which is why the PVS wouldn't work because it's only partial brain death, or the... um, permanent cessation of uh, cardiopulmonary function. So we have those bookends because as a society, you do get rights. And going back to your question about privacy, you do get rights to things. But that's because we as a people have formed a government that has we have given ourselves rights to things. That's very different than a privacy relationship with your parents. (laughs) So personhood is much more of like a legal thing than of a moral 
It's oh, both. Okay. So we can talk about it. So you guys are asking questions on a legal line, which I think are important and they're great questions. And then there's also the questions of who gets to count as a person and who gets to decide. And do I get to decide for you what a person should be? And this comes up a lot for us. Abortion, that's a big one. Is that fetus or embryo a person? Because legally, if it's a person, it has 14th Amendment constitutional rights, just like you and I do. But morally, it's up to the individual pregnant person to decide how they feel about that entity. And so those are two very different conversations. But they have really important effects, because once you call something a legal person, they get the same rights as you and I do. We all get same general constitutional protections do you think so do you think that personhood is more like a gradient than like a black and white that you're a person or you're not a person i think for some people it is um some people have very precise it has human dna it counts Mm -hmm. which could be like my hair cell (laughs) would count in that definition as well so other people say um like Back to your idea you were talking about, do you gain personhood as you age? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you have an idea that includes some sort of cognitive capacity that will increase and continue to expand and expand, and then again start to decline again. Mm -hmm. Um, So some people would think it could be a gradient. Um, Again, that hasn't worked for me, but it does for some people. The kid, do you think the kid has like equal personhood as their parents? Like they... Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I personally think children are people the same way adults are people. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean they have the same legal rights and responsibilities as adults. So I can look at kids from a moral framework and say, yes, this, this kiddo has the same value to me as an adult does. Because I don't particularly want to rank humans (laughs) like that. Other, um, but legally they absolutely have sometimes more sometimes less rights than adults and that can be changed but that's that we decide every time we vote for new legislators how can it be changed that you that to change the rights yeah so by changing the laws that we make around Mm -hmm. yeah how much more do we need to be aware of our rights as As, minors as minors yeah If you're talking about your legal rights, probably not very much because there's not a lot you can do about it. And I don't mean that you are incapable. I mean that the system is legally set up in some ways to protect minors so that they aren't held to the same accountability standards as adults. Um, But in terms of asserting your individual human rights to safety, bodily autonomy, those don't start or stop when you are a particular age. You have been a human and you will be a human, so you have rights even if you're 10 or 40. Because, like, adding on to what you just said about, like, um, let's say if a minor did something illegal, Mm -hmm. how much of the responsibility would fall on themselves and how much would fall on their legal guardian? So that piece will depend, again, you are asking great questions that are all related to state laws. And then now you're asking a specific, (laughs) did something illegal? So the next question I'd ask is, was it criminal? 
or was it a civil problem? As in, did you um, have an accident or that, that violated the law in some way, or did you intentionally go out and harm people? One of the things that you guys are probably aware of um, is the theory in Michigan where the prosecutor is charging the parents in the school shooting near, uh, that's a new um, angle of going after gun violence of, is holding the parents accountable. That's something we typically don't see, which is fascinating to me because the child normally, that is a big influence on how they act. Not always, but. That was actually exactly yeah. what we were going to ask. So uh, what, like, what do you think the rationale behind that um, charge was? Um, I don't know specifically my, uh, from because I haven't been following it more than just as it shows on the news, but my limited understanding is that having a child who is mentally ill and allowing them to have access to firearms involves some sort of the state is questioning what what the parents were thinking and whether that was in some way itself criminal. But I don't know. I haven't followed it enough to know. Kind of driving off of the topic. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of interview, we asked, I mean, we read you a consent thing. Mm-hmm. Usually, us as minors, we can't give out our own consent without the permissionship of a legal guardian. But in this case, it's us as minors asking for your consent. Mm-hmm. So is that like, okay, are we allowed to do that? <laughs> yes, you are allowed to do that legally. You are absolutely allowed to do that. But more importantly, you can give um, what's called assent. And in fact, there's a whole bunch of laws around assent. Think about, I do a lot of healthcare, so um, kids in research, if they're going to go into research trials, you can have, you know, somebody your age who's not a legal adult yet, but who is still able to understand risks, benefits of a procedure, process how they want this to happen to their body. And they're required, the uh, researchers are retwi- required to give, get assent from the child. And the red flag is if the parents say yes and the kids say no, or vice versa, <laughs> parents say no and kids says yes, the researcher is supposed to stop and figure out why there is a disconnect. Um, So it's not a full legally valid consent, but it is an example of a legal structure protecting the autonomy and decision-making capacity of kids. And would the researchers in the scenario you just described, would they have to listen to the kid? Like, does the kid? The kid doesn't override the parents, but the researcher if there is a disconnect, n- needs to address it because there is a problem there mm-hmm. and they should not go forward with the research. Can they technically? Yes, as long as they have the legal guardian's consent. So for you to ask me to give consent, I am willingly giving that. So it is something you can do. Why is the legal drinking age 21, whereas the legal adult age is 18? Is there some type of personhood involved No, that is not related. It's a great question because if you're going to, and this happens with a lot of our laws that are really inconsistent. So if we're talking about capacity, for example, a teenager, so I worked in Ohio. And at the time when I was there, a teenager, I worked in the hospital, I was an attorney for a hospital system. Teenagers 
who were having children could consent to their children's health care, but not to their own. The law viewed them as capable of having the ability and capacity to consent for their kids, but not themselves, which is totally inconsistent. So this idea of legal inconsistencies is really frequent. And the drinking age versus uh, adulthood, general adulthood at 18, is a classic example of why yes here and no there. So if a teenager wanted to let this she got pregnant and she wanted to have an abortion, would her parent or would her and if her parents didn't want her to have the abortion, would she have the right to have the abortion or the parents? Have yeah. That? So that question about a teenager um, having the right is very specific to the states because the Supreme Court has actually said that teenagers for the specific decision related to abortion have the same capacity as adults in general. However, this, they have also permitted the states to involve parents if there is a separate legal procedure called a judicial bypass where a teen could buy a pregnant teen could buy could not involve their parents so it depends on the state you're in but about i may be off um i'd say around 33 states have some sort of parental either consent or notice what we do know is that most teens will involve their parents in that decision and the ones who don't are ones who don't feel safe enough to involve their family. Like, it's one of those, the people that you're really hurting are the people who already aren't safe to ask their parents. And I think this, like, um, like parents forcing their kids to make, like, a certain medical decision, I think it also applies to, like, forcing or not allowing your kids to, like, be vaccinated against, like, COVID-19 mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The only slight minor distinction with a COVID vaccine is that this has a public health element that, for example, an abortion would not. I know, I know. Emily's talk got interrupted by many of our silly questions. After a long detour, we finally drifted back to the human's right in abortion, the core of the personhood. This is a lot more complicated than, uh, <laughs> than I thought it was. Because we actually watched a short video on uh, briefly like a crash course or something. Okay. Yeah, a crash course. I mean, it had good information, but it it wasn't like this, like this much. Uh, These layers. Layer layovers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think they just. I think they did mention how it like um, it applies to law more mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. morality. So yeah. I mean, prison's in the name of your podcast, so it's a good question to be asking. Yeah. It's my favorite question to ask people. Truly, especially if you're having the abortion fight. Um, one of the best ways to calm that down is just to say, hey, let's talk for a minute about what it means to be a person. And then you start talking about the things you value. And that becomes a really um, much more uh, nuanced and calmer conversation a lot mm-hmm. so have you been in any scenarios where there was um like that conflict between... sure sure yeah. i talk about abortion all the time in my classes and how i teach but then in our community sometimes it has come up where i will have a conversation and like anything that has a charged backstory you decide who's 
going to be somebody you're going to invest your time in and actually go for that conversation. And then there's sometimes you extricate yourself and just, it's not worth it. But the, what is a person is a great way to start it because most people, it's a really dumb question. Like, of course I'm a person. Like, and then I ask you to define it. It starts to get really hard. Have you talked about what your own beliefs are? I can't. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. I told yeah. you that potential is, yeah, is yeah. a big part of my beliefs. Um, I also am, uh, I believe human is part of it. So there are folks who are very comfortable referring to um, uh, uh, what I'll call advanced. I don't know enough about animal behavior, but great apes, dolphins, um, animals with certain communicative um, and levels of demonstrated levels of intelligence and self-awareness. People will refer to some folks include those within a definition of person. Again, I keep it human, but that works for me. In the world of morality, if you have varying definitions of person, one of the biggest rules is to try to be consistent with yourself. So for example, if you're a person that says an entity with a heartbeat counts, the next question I would ask you would be, so when someone has a heart attack and their heart stops, did they cease being a person for that minute? Do they not count anymore? Or if somebody says consciousness and I say, okay, so somebody is uh, blacked out drunk, are they not a person anymore at that moment? So I try, especially when I talk to my students, I try to get them to kind of push their own boundaries. And it's especially important when we're talking those of us who have any sort of cognitive impairments as well to think about, or um, those of us who have uh, uh, dementia, really severe advanced forms of dementia, maybe have lost a sense of self, can't recognize ourselves in the mirror. So that to me is where the questions really come. What really makes something a person as opposed to something valuable, but not maybe necessarily a person? I can give you one more like behind the scenes layer, which is morals are just rules of behavior. They come out of the application of ethical theories. Ethical theories are created by all sorts of people, but they're created often by people who study philosophy and practice philosophy. And so you might've heard of like Socrates or Immanuel Kant or thing they are philosophers who have a theory and then it gets applied over and over again until we start to get a rule that comes out of it and those rules are called moral principles as we have different philosophers we also have different moral principles and moral rules so when we talk about the morality of personhood We're talking about one particular philosopher's interpretation, maybe of a prior philosopher's idea, and then an application of their criteria for what it means to be a person. And you multiply that times all the philosophers and then multiply it by all us lay folk who just are interested in thinking about it. You get different definitions. I think one of the most painful aspects of the social justice movement that we're seeing and it's i guess it's not the movement it's what the social justice movements are responding to 
is a denial of personhood to groups of folks or a denial of either legal rights available to other humans or human rights that should be available to all of us. And when those are denied, somebody else is saying, you are not like me. Mm-hmm. And if I, if, if we understand race is socially constructed and we understand all these factors are social and have a context, then what you're really saying is you don't count and I do. And that's a really strong statement. So yeah, I do think sometimes someone else is saying your personhood is not is not here or it's different than mine. And there's, I don't think there should be so rankings. Why, yeah, yeah. So then why is that like legal, legally okay sometimes then? Like... So we legally in the US, we allow um, differentiations again, we can sometimes argue in the name of justice. Justice is just treating equal things equally and unequal things unequally. And so we can, for instance, and I'm somebody who believes that we should treat people unequally based on age. I think children should be treated differently than adults. So I would treat, I would sort them, group them, treat them differently. But once we get into adults, now I'm confused as to how or why we should be legally sorting them into groups. But we do. Sometimes we sort them based on um, sex. So on what's assigned, their, their sex assigned at birth and say this sex of people have this and that. And again, it presumes the binary and doesn't even acknowledge all of those, all of us who are uh, intersex. But it, it, um, the law has lots of space to sort us. We categorize ourselves all the time. Yeah. And do you think those categorizations can be good or bad? Or I think there are times when it's important to recognize and differences. But my understanding, and, and by that I mean a legal recognition of differences, but my perception, understanding is when the government is recognizing our differences, one of its powers is to recognize our differences in order to improve or increase access to resources, not to limit, disparage, or remove access. And you mentioned that you you believe that you should treat kids differently than you treat adults. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has anything to do with personhood? Uh, For me, it has to do with capacity. So for me, it's something I don't think kids can go out and get resources in the same way adults can. So I think we need to provide resources. In fact, I think it's a strong argument why we may want to treat older adults after a certain age with more resources or the folks with um, certain uh, disabilities may need more resources, not because they are inherently different but because they need the type of legal resources to be treated differently. Um, what kind of resources are you talking about? I'm talking about like crazy stuff like healthcare, weird things like social support, housing, safety, <laughs> you know, just mental health. I'm talking about resources like giving communities the ability to, uh, take care of themselves, to not target certain groups. Yeah. 
So I go back to, and the thing I always go back to my students is, what categories matter to you? What makes something valuable or important to you? And I can tell you why a few things. But if you pushed me and got me to tighten and tighten, I'd have a much harder time once we're talking about human beings and then human beings with certain characteristics. Now I'm going to have to get really nuanced in my thinking. The other piece is it can change. Your idea of personhood today doesn't have to be your idea of personhood in 20 years. But the legal definitions can't mess around very often because those impact our lives. Those can't fluctuate. Mm -hmm. Why do like certain people get to decide those things, like the legal stuff? Like, I feel like that's so not fair. Uh, just like a certain group of people like mm-hmm. decide all these things <laughs> yeah yes I, I think um, we created a system where we gave a lot of trust to in particular legislators um, to make laws that benefit constituents and we're seeing more and more especially in your lifetimes a shift in how Um, legislators kind of approach their job so not just a like republican democrat thing but a how is this helping your constituents and it has changed this interview was done on april 24th 2022 61 days later a certain group of people made a crucial change of law There is no longer a federal constitutional right for a woman to have an abortion. Three days later, a 10-year-old girl from Ohio, raped and pregnant, was forced to go out of state to seek medical help. Whose right was protected and whose personhood was denied? The 10-year-old victim or a six-week-old fetus? At the end of the interview, Emily inspired us to keep thinking about why the issues like this matter to us and what we can do for the sake of our future. Become aware of and get involved with the idea that your government is of you, for you, by you. It is created by us. It isn't a separate entity. That's one of the things that really um, uh, frustrates me is when we talk about the government as an other. Like, it's... It's who we elect and who we vote for. And there's all sorts of problems, which is why it's so scary that our voting has been is being restricted more and more and more because it changes the relationship with the government. So that's one piece of advice is to become very aware at the very local level. That is where all of the action is. It sounds fun to think about like who's going to be the president, but who is going to be creating nuisance ordinances that may get you kicked out of your home is a really important question. (laughs) That's a local question. So those kind of uh, knowing what's going on locally is a huge aspect. The second piece of it is know that you will change, that what you believe, care about, and feel right now, as long as you are still learning, will be different in five years and 10 years. And why wouldn't it be? You keep evolving. And so instead of like trying to stay steady, Why don't you open yourself up to keep questioning yourself critically? Do I still believe what I believed 10 years ago? Do I need to think about it differently now?
vote, think. Those are my two. Yeah. Thank you for You're doing welcome. this interview. You're welcome. Yeah. I know it was different yeah. <laughs> than what you expected. I